Now we come to the heart of why we're here, to hear from the Lord, uh, to listen to his word. And Nick, as you know, we're running through a series uh, on the ten words, the Ten Commandments. And Nick will be up here in a minute, sharing the fourth one with you. But as a prelude to that, I'm going to be reading from Isaiah chapter 58, the whole of Isaiah 58, 14 verses. And this is on page 746 of the Bibles here. So if you want to follow it, or it should come up on the screen. And uh, as Louise has just reminded me, there are some sheets down the front for those who want them and dotted around the windowsills, as we normally do. Okay, so we read from Isaiah 58, and this is entitled True Fasting. Let's read the Lord's Word. And it says this, Shout it aloud, do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarrelling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? when you see the naked, to clothe them, and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets and dwellings. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight, and the Lord's holy day honourable, 
And if you honour it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord and I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And this is the words of our Lord. Amen. Next. Leaving, it's okay. Just in. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you can give it a go. <clears throat> it just distracts me. Okay. And these um, half term days, they're just different, aren't they? They're just different enough to distract us. Uh, and to feel a bit different. So let's make every effort to, to concentrate uh, on what we're talking about this morning. And we're back in Exodus 20. Ian, I'm just going to read, uh, take that other reading. Um, Tony, can you check that it's recording? Is it being recorded? Hit that button twice. And let's read the fourth commandment, which is, which is about the Sabbath. And it goes like this. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. Though Leslie pointed out to me, it didn't say anything about wives, um, but I'm assuming, <laughs> but I'm assured that the wives are included. Um, but gents, don't go there. Um, for in six days, this is important as well. Um, for in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. I think we need to pray. This is one of the toughest commandments to, to, um, to settle, and we'll see why in a minute. Um, but let's pray. Father God, we recognize we're people of limited thinking and darkened hearts. We need your work amongst us by your Holy Spirit to uh, help us see what is true, to be convinced in our hearts and be ready enough to put it into practice and overcome our own, Lord, it, it, in ourselves, just our laziness and actually our desire to keep things under our own control. Please help us as we study this this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So how do you feel about the idea of, of Sabbath? Um, uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm preaching to the choir because you're all here this morning. Um, <clears throat> the idea of kind of setting one day a week as holy to the Lord. Who is really excited by that? Give me a show of hands. Oh, I've got, that's, that's, that's great, thank you. Who, is, who finds that a massive turn-off? You're not going to admit to that, are you? <laughs> okay. Well, actually, you've defeated my expectations. I, I expected that, we, that people would be so scared to actually go one way or the other that we get no hands up at all. Um, so, well done. You've already uh, defeated my expectations. But we've got three questions, I think, three key questions to try and get our heads around this morning. We'll spend more time on the first one, just so you know. The first is, does the Sabbath command still apply? Does the Sabbath command still apply? Are we called to give the Lord a day of the week as holy. Second question is, does it really matter? 
And I think that won't take us very long to deal with. As one writer says, as goes the Sabbath, so goes the church. Can't remember where I read that, but it came across it in the week. As goes the Sabbath, so goes the church. So is then Sabbath potentially our biggest communal sin? Something we'll have to look at briefly. And then practically, what should we do? Um, if you've read the little book, um, The Ten Words to Live By, then you'll see where some of the ideas come from. But we'll then spend just a shorter time trying to work out um, what we should do. So does the Sabbath still apply? Well, if you go back to the Savoy Declaration, and that is the Congregationalists' um, Statement of Faith written in the, uh, the, the 1660s, it says this, and I know how much you, you love a little bit of historical language, um, and um, I know that it's the quickest way to make you glaze over, but stay with me, um, because we need to get to grips with this. Savoy Declaration, as it is the law of nature that in general a proportion of time by God's appointment be set apart for the worship of God. So they say, the writers say, it is in the very nature of reality that we should set aside one day a week um, for the worship of God. So by his word, and I think here they mean the Ten Commandments, in a positive moral and perpetual commandment, binding all men in all ages, he hath particularly appointed one day in seven for a Sabbath to be kept holy to him. They're really clear. They say that the Sabbath command still applies, and by the sound of it, it applies pretty much as it did in the Old Testament. And I don't know what was in the mind of the great theologians when they wrote this, um, they base it on the earlier Westminster Confession of Faith, which is a much uh, more famous and, and well-known document. But the word binding seems wholly inappropriate to me. This is where I, I, I beg to differ with, with John Owen and other great, um, great theologians of, of, of history. Maybe it meant something different to them in, in their day. But... So often this discussion, is, does the Sabbath still apply, is framed in this way, is the Sabbath still binding? And I think binding takes us off immediately in the wrong direction. Because it's at odds with our central point, which is that nobody can be justified by the law of Moses. So the law of Moses, all of it, including the Ten Commandments, the Old Covenant is defunct. It is over, it is cancelled as a means of justification, as a way of getting right with God. You have to be really clear about that, otherwise things go wrong. And so Paul will say in Romans, um, my brothers and sisters, you died to the law. You died to the law through the body of Christ, that you may belong to another, to him. So you, Christian, here, brother and sister, this morning, when Christ died, you died. You died to the law. You died to the law because he's obeyed it and he's taken all the punishment from the times that you failed to keep it. And so Romans 6 goes on, verse 6, but now by dying to what once bound us, there that's that binding word again, dying to what once bound us, we've been released from the law. Do you hear that? So we've been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. What does that mean? 
We, we've been released from the law. So what happens instead? Well, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside us and drives us to do those things that are written in the law naturally and willingly and wholeheartedly as he makes us new and comes and lives inside us. And then our job is to keep in step with the Spirit. So I want to throw out this binding word. Okay. Let's get rid of it and put it out of the discussion. But if we've been released from the law as a means of justification, next slide this is, why, why, then, do, why then are we looking at the, the Ten Commandments at all? Well, basically this. Because all morality is based on the character of God. Does that make sense to you? All morality, all Christian ethics is, is, is based on the character of God. Doesn't, God doesn't give us arbitrary commands. He gives us commands which relate to his character and help us to know him. And so um, Paul says in Ephesians, um, put on the new self, created to be like God, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So godliness, morality, good ethics, right and wrong, is to be like God. Be holy because I'm holy. And so the Ten Commandments, they still reveal the character of God still reveal God's character. And in that sense, um, as Jen Wilkins says in the little book, they're an invitation um, into reality. In other words, they're just inviting you to live, live with God as he is um, in, in the world that he's created as it best works. And interestingly, the, gen the fourth command is, is the one that refers back to God's creative acts. Refers back to God and his character and, and his work. So don't be confused by the fact, we need to think this through, don't be confused by the fact that Jesus, when he's, he, he's been accused of healing on the Sabbath, um, and he says back to the Pharisees, uh, my father is always at work to this very day and I too am, am working. Um, the, by that Jesus is just showing that we can do good on the Sabbath so don't be confused by that whether is God working or is God at rest um, it's an interesting question isn't it he is still working in a sense God is, is working all the time and for God kind of rest and work are almost the same thing um, because it doesn't take him at any effort but God is, God is always working but don't can, so when we say if a morality is based on the character of God, follow this through, does that mean we can be always working? Because God is always working, morality is based on the character of God? No. No. Jen Wilkin, God alone requires no limits to his activity. To rest is to acknowledge that humans, we humans are limited by design. We are created for rest just as surely as we are created for labor. So this is one area where we can't follow God in his character because he never tires, never sleeps, never slumbers. He's always working and yet he's always peaceful and, and at rest. And we can't copy God in that. So what do we do? We do what he's shown us to do in Genesis, which is to take one day out of seven to rest and worship him.
An ability or an unwillingness to cease from our labors is a confession of unbelief, says Jen Wilkin, an admission that we view ourselves as creator and sustainer of our own universes. Did you hear that? An inability or an unwillingness to cease from our own labors is a confession of unbelief. It's an admission that we view ourselves as creator and sustainer of our universes. So the Sabbath then, it's not binding, let's throw out the binding word, but it does reflect the character of God. Next slide. But sometimes, just to try and nail down this discussion, sometimes the law of Moses is divided into a moral law, in other words, um, and a ceremonial law and a judicial law. Um, by the same kind of people who would have written the Savoy Declaration or the Westminster Confession of Faith. And they would say that the moral law is God, something that's, that's a moral command and it always applies. There are ceremonial commands that are to do with priests and sacrifices in temple and they all point to Christ. And because they point to Christ, then they, they cease to apply because they were a signpost. And when the thing that the signpost is pointing to has arrived, the signpost is no longer of any use. And there was a judicial law, which was how you maintained the, the nation, the country uh, of Israel, and that no longer applies because the church is no longer a nation state. And that's okay. That's all well and good. But nowhere does the Bible or the New Testament make that distinction. It misses the point that we've made already that the old covenant has been cancelled, all of it, the law of Moses. And where would the Sabbath fit? Where would you put the Sabbath? It's not a judicial law for governing the country, is it? Is it a ceremonial law? Or is it a moral law? I don't know whether you can, you can catch, catch the drift of that, catch the, catch the flavor of that. You see, we don't keep the Feast of Tabernacles, do we? We don't keep the Feast of, uh, of Trumpets. You know, the... the the Jewish ceremonial law, all those days that they kept, we don't keep the Passover. All of that has gone. Has the Sabbath gone with it? In some senses, yes, it was a ceremonial law, but it did also, I think, a moral law. In other words, it is a matter of right and wrong whether you spend time with the Lord, whether you give him a day out of every week. Now, we need to turn to the New Testament. What I suggest to you now is, is just um, take a deep breath, okay? Um, poke the person next to you if, if they're looking a bit slumbery. I know this is going to... Uh, I, 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 know I'm, I know we're deep into um, trying to get hold of the Sabbath, but it's, but it's important. Um, giving you plenty to chew on today. What about the New Testament? Well, there are moments in the New Testament where it seems to suggest that the Sabbath has been cancelled. It's over. It doesn't apply anymore. So um, Colossians 2 is one of them. It's in the Bible study, which you're probably not going to do. I wrote it anyway um, for this week. Um, it, it's there. Get your home group leaders to give it to you. Um, Paul says, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat and drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon or a Sabbath day. And he said, these are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. It seems to suggest that was all Jewish stuff. It points to Jesus. And, and it's gone. That would seem to apply. And, and until this week, I would have said, that was a good reason that the Sabbath command doesn't apply. 
Romans 14. Paul says, one person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Paul seems to suggest that you can consider all days alike. It's a strong argument, but I think I've been... But I think the argument from the other side, which is that Sabbath um, is something which is rooted in the character of God and is therefore a moral command, I think still applies. In the sense that, in the New Testament sense, that it's not a law imposed from the outside to be a straitjacket. It is the Holy Spirit's agenda that he is working towards in your life. Holy Spirit is trying to make you holy, isn't he? That, that's what he does. Um, he is trying to bring scripture to bear so you know what the right thing is to do. He's energizing your heart and empowering you um, to keep God's word. What agenda is he working to? Is, is Sabbath on his agenda? Yes, I believe it is. To try and sum all that up, Jesus says this, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. I think, yes, we should still have a Sabbath, but it's made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It's not a whole bunch of rules made for you so that you can glorify it. It, the Sabbath, was made for you so that you can be well. So you can be well spiritually and physically and mentally well. So it's got to be kept as a delight, not a chore, because that's what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. If you're keeping it as a chore, something's gone wrong. And it's a great reading in that Isaiah 58. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath, doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight, then you'll find joy in the Lord and I will cause you to ride in, ride in triumph. If you can call the Sabbath a delight, you will be well, spiritually and mentally and physically. Does it really matter? Okay, does it really matter? So spend some time thinking, is it still a moral command? And I want to say, yes, it is. Though I've changed my mind on this week. Now, Spurgeon once said he was a Sabbatarian. I think he said something like this. I can't find the quote. He said he was a Sabbatarian. He believed that the Sabbath command applied on a Monday and a Wednesday and a Friday. And he was a non-Sabbatarian on a Tuesday and a Thursday and a Saturday. In other words, he flip-flopped um, about it and he changed his mind about it repeatedly. I, I haven't done that, but this has really challenged me in the week. Does it really matter? Why is it so hard to keep the Sabbath? Why is it so hard? If, if I said to you, give the Lord a day out of the week, it just would surprise you. I think it partly goes with age, because I think above a certain age, you remember Sunday being a special, special day of the week, and below a certain age, you don't. More than any other command, I think it strikes at our desire to be our own ruler. Other, other commands you can break, and you can break them without anybody knowing. Jen Wilkin again, she says, our natural inclination is to believe that we are keeping the world rotating on its axis. 
a mindset that feeds a ceaseless work ethic. Sabbath presses on that mindset. It's not merely rest that restores, but it's rest that reorientates, reminds us that we're not God. That's one of the key parts of Sabbath. It's a reminder that you're not God and it's not you who's got everything in control. It is God has got everything in control. But if it's a moral command, if it's the right moral thing to do, then is Sabbath breaking the biggest area of communal immorality in our church? That's my question. That's what concerns me. And I speak as one, I, I think we tend to give God a half day. I'm guilty of that myself. We give God a, a, a half Sabbath. And then I carry on as, a, a, as I choose, though quite a lot of Sundays I'm working anyway. And any immorality then has an impact on your life. Sin separates. If it's a moral command, then not keeping it is sin, and sin separates you from God. While I, was, while I was in the Savoy Declaration, I came across this. God continues to forgive the sins of those that are justified. This is in a little passage about justification, being right with God. God continues to forgive the sins of those who are justified. If you're right with God through faith in Christ on the cross, you are justified, you are seen um, as perfectly holy before God. And although they can never fall from the state of justification... He's talking about Christians. Yet they may, by their sins, fall under God's fatherly displeasure. And in that condition, they have not usually the light of his countenance restored to them until they humble themselves, confess their sins, beg pardon, and renew their faith and repentance. It's, it's just a basic statement of Christian reality. It's when you sin, sin separates um, Sometimes you don't even realize it, but you just realize after a while that God's got distant. And you feel that God is a long way away. You don't have the light of his countenance. In other words, you don't have that sense of the presence of God in your life because you've not been, not been Sabbathing with, with God's people. We need to think how... How would you repent of that? What would you do? How can we change this? Well, let's get a look at Sabbath in practice. Um, and we'll come back to that at the end. So Sabbath, <clears throat> again, back to the Savoy Declaration. Sabbath is kept holy to the Lord when Christians, after a due preparing of their hearts, note, due preparing of their hearts, ordering of their common affairs beforehand, don't just observe a holy day of rest from their own works, words, and thoughts about their worldly employments and recreation, but also taking up the whole time in public and private exercises of worship and in the duties of necessity and mercy. That's what generations before us said was a Sabbath. You rest from anything that pertains to work, Rest from your common recreations, the things that you usually do. Spend the whole time in, in, in worship, public and private. But also duties of necessity and mercy. 
Jesus healed on the Sabbath. We can do things of mercy on the Sabbath. So the first thing you have to do is stop your work. You have to stop your work. It's an expression of faith. And to not do it is an expression of unbelief, as we've already said. Not just stop doing it, but stop talking about it and stop thinking about it. That's the important bit. Meet with God's people. That's really clear, isn't it? Sabbath is communal. There is a part of Sabbath which, is, which we do together as a church. It's part of the church. It's part of building church family. Even if you want to be saying, oh, well, I'm one of those people who's convinced that all days are the same. Meeting together is still uh, critical and important and has its own commands in the New Testament. Consider how you may spur one another on to love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together. Should be celebrating together. It should be, it, it should be in some sense, a foretaste of heaven. Sunday mornings, shouldn't they? have to think about that. Is it a foretaste of heaven? How can we make it for more like a, a, a foretaste of heaven? We should hear the Bible taught together. We should pray together. We should seek God's faith. We should take part in the Lord's Supper together. And then in the rest of the day, it's something you, you should do on your own. I ask you the question. Is, is Sunday the day you, you, have, you have a day off of your quiet time? Sunday is surely the, the good day where you've got more time than any other day to have your own time. Um, of devotion and, and prayer um, with the Lord. <coughs> Provide rest for others. I think this is one of the, the, the insights of the little book, the 10 words book. One of the things that you can do um, on your Sabbath is provide rest for others. There's lots to be thought about there, which I haven't managed to get my head around, but what about uh, some babysitting? Could you provide rest? As, you know, if there were single parents or people who were struggling, how could we provide rest for them? How can you provide rest on Sundays for mums who are otherwise doing a load of work? Should you not be, and this is a question I'm wrestling with, should you not be making other people work on a Sunday? So it's difficult. There's a balance here. If you want... Um, typically mums but sometimes dads in the family are, are cooking and doing a load on a Sunday is it better to eat out some people would take that view some people would say I don't want to make anybody else work on a Sunday so I'm not going to eat out and make somebody else cook it and then rest in a godly way again I find this massive challenge what is a kind of recreation that connects you to God or do you go back on Sundays sometimes our our recreation, our TV watching or our film watching is, is a bit profane. And we should kind of watch out for that anyway. But on a Sunday, can you make it not so? That the day is in some sense holy to the Lord. Recreation that is different. Does that seem like a chore? seem like a chore the spirit of the spirit of god is not at odds with the father and the son and in other words if this is a moral command this is something the spirit is working in your hearts this is something he's already at work um, calling you to do and if you don't love it then there's something wrong with you that's a really scary thought isn't it you don't love hearing the word of god explained then there's something wrong with you 
There's something wrong is that you're a sinner. You don't like worshipping the Lord in heartfelt song. There's something wrong with you. You're a sinner. You don't like meeting with the Lord's people. There's something wrong with you. You're a sinner. You don't like helping people in trouble. There's something wrong with you. And me. We're sinners. And maybe the Sabbath shows it up more than anything else. Thankfully, part of our Sabbath worship is we remember the cross. Remember that we've been forgiven. Even for our Sabbath failures by what Jesus has done. So, four Ps and then we'll draw it to a close. Okay. Four things to do. Comes out of the book. Sabbath in practice, predict. Make something predictable. If you don't plan, if you don't, what, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Is that what they say? Um, Make it predictable. Are are you you in this or you're not? Don't make it up as as you go along week by week. Just decide. Is Sabbath important to you? And then make it predictable. Decide on a pattern. Decide where you're going to be. And then prepare. We begin to obey the Sabbath command before the Sabbath. That's, that's an important realisation, isn't it? So you remember in the wilderness, God provided six days of manna, and the Israelites had to do double manna, get double manna on the day before, on the Friday, um, before the Sabbath. So they were ready. Uh, so they didn't need to work on the Sabbath. Same applies to us. If you're going to have a Sabbath holy to the Lord, then you need to be prepared for it. It might be that you do, your cook, you, know, you do your cooking on that day. Might be if mum usually cooks, then dad, you cook on a Saturday and it's ready for a Sunday and everybody can have a Sabbath. Get your chores done ahead of the time so they're not done on a Saturday. I'm, 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 I'm not sure about homework, but this is um, because I used to do all my homework on a Sunday afternoon. This is a confession. Um, I used to do all my homework on a Sunday afternoon, and if homework came in in the week and it was needed before Sunday, I just didn't do it. Um, so I literally did all my homework. This is very level. Um, on a Sunday afternoon, I'm not really sure. You have to wrestle that one down for yourself, whether that's, whether that's helpful. Really, really important that mums get a Sabbath and we think about that. And then partake. In other words, take part. You need to do you, communally. Sabbath is a communal thing. Even if, you be, if, if you're one of those people and you're going to say, I believe all days are alike, then you can't get away from the fact you need to meet with God's people. And the day when we meet is Sunday. Tough. Okay, so you need to be here um, on a Sunday. Provide. Find ways of giving rest to others. There's lots of kind of things where you need to go away and uh, seek the heart of God and ask the Lord, what create, what, give me some creative thoughts here, Lord. What can, I, what can I do that I can do on the Sabbath? How can I be good to other people on the Sabbath? So let's, let's sum it up. We, we've kind of gone all around the houses, haven't we? Uh, and we've thought about a lot of stuff. But I come back to this, as goes the Sabbath, so goes the church. So often in this country we'll say, we're kind of living in the day of small things, where, where God doesn't seem to, to, to work in mighty power. Well, if that's true, as goes the Sabbath, so goes the church, is God doing small things because we're just not giving him the Sabbath? 
because it's a moral failing and we've just not got our heads around it. It was perhaps Israel's biggest failure. I, I haven't done the maths or the research, but it'd be interesting to go through and see what Israel were most condemned for. Uh, I guess idolatry comes a lot, but breaking the Sabbath uh, may well come out at top of the list. So let's find a way of celebrating Sabbath together. Let's find ways of making it holy, in other words, handing it over to the Lord, that are exciting and refreshing, and yet give the Lord his due. So Sabbath, there are three horizons. So Sabbath, we look back to God doing creation and saying, it is finished. He needed a rest one day in six, so do we. Sabbath kind of looks to Jesus on the cross and Jesus says, it, it is finished. Um, and our, our working, our spiritual work to earn our own salvation is definitely over because it is finished. But Sabbath looks to the future that one day not only will our, all our works be finished, but we'll enter into the new creation and all our striving and hard work will be finished. All those horizons come into view. We look back to God. We look to the cross. We look to the future. And we say it's finished. So we've got some changes to make. Let's get creative. Tell me what the Lord is, is saying to you during the week. But for now, let's pray. Lord, is this your call to us? Are we, are we understanding you right? We're hearing you say, yes, it's a day of small things because you've given me small things. You haven't loved me with all your heart and all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. And you haven't loved your neighbor as yourself and particularly not with the way we've used Sabbath. Is that what you're saying to us, Lord? Then we ask you, we ask, ask you, Jesus, Lord of the Sabbath, who says the Sabbath was made for us, not us for the, for the Sabbath. How can, we, how can we do it well? How can we do it creatively? How can we give you a better Sabbath? How can we give you better worship? How can we love our neighbors better? Inspire us, change our hearts. Holy Spirit, please come. Make that change from the inside out. And we ask you in the name of Jesus. Amen.